This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. We are continuing our conversation on hearing voices and schizophrenia in the last two episodes we had guests who got overhearing voices we also had a guest who refused to use the word schizophrenia saying it was obsolete and in this episode we have Kate Crawford with us who is a part of hearingvoices.org Kate has been a voice hearer since she was four years old. Being part of a network like Hearing Voices has enabled her to become more empathetic to other voice hearers and also her own self. We talk about hearingvoices.org that is now in 38 countries and how it's connecting people globally. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode on Hearing Voices. Hi Kate, welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show and thank you for joining in. Thank you very much for inviting me to speak for you. Your organization, which I came to know about through PeterHearingVoices.org and you're a part of the organization and you yourself hear voices, Kate, as you mentioned. And of course, you teach internationally on the topic of hearing voices and its relation to trauma. And you're a guest trainer for Mental Health First aid at several universities, which is, I think, brilliant. So, Kate, just starting off with the first question, tell me about your own self and you hearing the voices. Yes. um, Well, I've heard voices since I was four years old and I feel it's due to the traumatic um, life that I had because um, I was born out of rape. My mum was raped and I'm what came out the rape. And I was a 60s child, and I don't think at that time they had anything, you know, like rape counselling. So um, when I was four years old, I remember it being my fourth birthday, and I woke up thinking, oh, am I going to get presents from the birthday bunny? Um, am I going to get the doll I always wanted, happiness? And um, there was nothing but um, despair, anxiety, um, torture and fear. And that was because of my mum. She used to um, lock me in a coal bunker, which she did on my my fourth birthday, and it was really just for existing. That's the only reason she did it, uh, because I existed. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the more I felt that I kicked up a fuss, you know, screamed, please, Mum, don't put me in there, it's dark, the more angry she got. So um, I just, as I say, took my punishment, went in for Mm-hmm. Um, existing oh mm-hmm. I used mm-hmm. to feel the walls in the bunker for a ways of escape but there was no way of escape and we had a little um, window in the bunker it wasn't big enough for a child to fit through but that little window gave me source of light from the stars and the moon and the sky and uh, when they were out it didn't seem as bad because I was an only child. I had no friends. And I asked the moon if the moon would be my friend. And the moon said, yes, I'll be your friend. And I heard hundreds of voices. And um, I feel, as as I say, it was because of the fear that I had. And in the Mm -hmm. beginning, from the ages of 47 years old, the voices were friendly. They helped Mm -hmm. me survive. They they gave me support. They They told me how to keep warm. They told me how to get food. And what I did was sometimes my mum would unlock the bunker door and I would check the door because the voices would say, check the door. 
And if it was opened, I would go into the kitchen and I'd grab whatever I could. Getting uh, juice was hard because she would mark the bottles. Um, so I had to try and get water from the tap. But because it um, was so late at night, it was mm-hmm. she would wake up sometimes with the, the water going into the sink and she would strip me naked and make me go in the bunker. But the voices were really good because they would show me in parts of my body where to hide the food so I didn't go hungry. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and so I, this was this was when you were four years of age, was it? Four, four years old, sweetheart, um, um, in the bunker. As I say, I and how no... long it continued? How long it continued, Kate? From four to what age? Well, from four to seven, because uh, we moved house. And then mm. the new house that we had had no bunker because um, we had central heating. So it meant that my mum had to find a new form of punishment and that could cause my death. Um, and what I mean by that was uh, when it was bath night, every Sunday and Wednesday, she would hold me under the water till I came limp till I nearly drowned and she would flush my head down the toilet pan. Um, and there was always that constant fear of drowning, you know, because the water's going over your mouth and nose. And um, I, I got angry with the voices because I couldn't understand why the voices had helped me before in the bunker but they didn't help me now. And I, it wasn't until I was older I realised that voices can help you with survival techniques that can help you survive, but they can't physically stop some, you know, take someone off you. Mm-hmm. So, and where, um, was your, where was your father at that time? I never knew him because my mum was raped and I'm what came out the rape. So I never, ever knew my dad. Mm-hmm. What did you think about these voices? Did you... Did you ever, you know, talk about them to your mother later or to anybody else at that point? I I talked to my mum. I said to my gran, she wasn't very nice either. She was, uh, she would hit me as well. But I spoke to the two of them about it and I said, I hear voices and I was also seeing visions. And they said, oh, it's an imaginary friend. But the visions were quite scary because they never spoke to me. They just um, pointed and stared. It was an old woman and a young man dressed in period costume, like 19th century clothing, Mm -hmm. Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. And I saw a little girl, Mm -hmm. but she disappeared as I got older. And I now feel that that little girl was me because Mm -hmm. she just kept crying. mm -hmm. But do, do you still see them? I see. I don't see the little girl. She disappeared as I got older. But I do. Um, if I get quite stressed with voices, um, I will see them. It's like a warning sign. If I see the old woman and the young man, I know that um, I need to address whatever it is that's troubling me. So, how did the medication start, Kate? Because you also mentioned that you were put in children's home after your mum died and um, years later you became homeless as well and then you met a man and you became pregnant and now you have four children how did i mean how did your journey of schizophrenia start the, where those voices identified as schizophrenia uh, well as i say i don't believe in schizophrenia i feel that right. because of the life i had sweetheart that that was why I hear voices. Um, Well, I got accused of killing my mum because what had happened was she was put in a convalescent home to recover 
because she had heart trouble. And one day I was allowed to go with her for the week or two so that she was in the convalescent home. And that one day she was going to lash out at me. So I ran away from her into the garden. And where you go into the garden, it was a big patio window with the door attached on it. So the door bit was open, so I ran through there. But my mum, I don't know what happened, but she came after me and somehow tripped, fell. So um, there was loads of glass and blood all over our head, our neck, our body. And the staff were saying, Catherine, what have you done to your mum? And I I couldn't understand because I was like, I've not done nothing. I'm not near her. So then the voices were saying to me, um, you've killed your mum, you've killed her. And then a month later, the voices were proven right because my mum did die. So I had the voices saying you killed your mum. I had my gran and my mum's four sisters saying that I killed their sister and their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they've, I got put in a children's home uh, because mm-hmm. of this. Uh, my gran didn't want to live with a murderer. That was her. That's what she said. Um, and really, that's where I met the alien. Um, I don't mm-hmm. call him human because what he did to me and other children, he couldn't have been human. And that's when the voices multiplied from hundreds to thousands. Oh, my God. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, the voices multiplied from hundreds to thousands. And... Uh, did you yeah, it was, um did you talk to them did you did you respond back to them i mean or were you put on medication after that um i didn't talk to them at the time because i was really scared of them i didn't tell anyone about the voices but i did tell them about the sexual abuse that happened in the home but i wasn't believed and i kept running away and i kept getting put back to the you know the unsafety of the the children's home i didn't really go into medication until 1999 when i was 34 uh, i was raped and i thought i just lost it um I I thought I'm going to, I can't live in this world anymore because all my life it's been nothing but pain and hurt. So um, I overdosed Mm -hmm. um, and I got put into hospital, got sectioned um, and that's where I was put on meds. And then it was Mm -hmm. all to go to court, what happened with the guy, but I couldn't do it because I felt, well, I wasn't believed as a child when I got attacked Mm -hmm. and raped, so I'm not Mm -hmm. going to be be believed. And Mm -hmm. that was really... They didn't really pay attention to me. They just, um, you know, medication was the answer. You know, if you take this pill, Kate, you'll be. But all it did was make me very tired. Uh, Mm -hmm. It didn't help with the voices at all. And I couldn't do anything. So they were looking at my deficits. They were accusing me of not cooking right not tidying up right but the medication i was on was enough to knock out a horse i physically right. couldn't do it because i was in a, a lot of medication mm-hmm. and sure. that's where i got so, my diagnosis uh, yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure so tell me kate in terms of um uh you know, you being part of the hearingvoices.org and you you are intrinsic part of the organization which is spread in 38 countries. Uh, 
tell me more about hearing voices what kind of people uh, sort of you know connect to you are they ones who just hear who hear voices or are they the ones also the caregivers who want to know more about it you know what kind of groups you have who can connect yeah we have um, quite a few groups and when i first started to hear in voices it was through my health visitor um she said kay i found this network called the hearing voices network she said it's a bit like alcoholics anonymous she says i don't mean they're alcoholics she said but do you know how alcoholics anonymous are reformed alcoholics that have got their life back and they help other alcoholics she said well this is the same way the hearing voices network work she says it's mm-hmm. voice hearers that have got their life back and then they do a group so I was like oh please refer me and she said well that's the beauty of it you just turn up and I remember turning up and going to the group and I thought oh my god it's not just Scottish people that hear voices English people hear them and um, Mm. it was just amazing because people were there and we could take our masks off people listened Mm. to us people believed Mm. me there were similar stories and we just help each other. You know, we never mm. force advice onto anyone. We would always ask people if they would like any advice because you find that people have maybe went through similar stuff. Yeah. And and it's really, really good. And um, I've been part of um, lower and medium secure hospitals where I've went in and did groups. And a lot of people there would say, you know, oh, there's no point helping them. They're gone. But you found that they weren't, that you were able to help them. Mm-hmm. So, and, so uh, did, do you guys physically meet as well or is it just like an online meeting? Well, just now um, it's online because of the, you know, the COVID but yeah. it's good in a way that we've got the online because uh, there's Ma- um, we've got the Manchester one, we've got the Sheffield one, um, mm. and we've got um, American ones because if you can't sleep, it's really good that you can go on the American ones because people from over the country or the world can, can connect. And it's great because you could get advice as I say a lot of voice hearers can't sleep you know and yeah. they might be in despair but the the groups are a godsend yeah you know so 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 you can you can cross the groups like you know I can get, go into any group I want is it yes yes you could um ask somebody like me for the link or go to the paranoia network and they'll give you the yeah. link of the groups yeah. that are on and you can you can join them and the good thing is they're at a weekend as well two of them and it's yeah. really good that because a lot of people they only have support monday to friday they don't have it for the weekend and yeah. it's good that you've got these groups in the usa because you can um connect to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tell me kate every person who hears voices do they have schizophrenia? And of course, you have mentioned, you and even Peter mentioned that there's, you don't believe in the word schizophrenia, it's obsolete. But just to consider the fact that it's a terminology that's been used uh-huh. worldwide, um, is that a connection that every voice hearer has, uh, has schizophrenia? No, um, as I say, people that hear voices don't even have a diagnosis. That's they've mm-hmm. not had anything. A lot of them haven't had any support. That groups are their only mm-hmm. line of support. 
Um, they've mm. not, and there's some people it's never been sectioned, you know. Mm. So, and there's people that go for for all different kind of mental health issues. Um, mm. As I say, you don't always have to he- hear voices. You could go for paranoia or paranoia and hearing voices. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind of awareness does uh, you know the uh, the group provide in terms of hearing voices, Dr. Waji? Um, it, there, of course, there is no access to uh, you know a, a hospital or a doctor at that point if you want to sort of connect to someone. So, what is what is uh, that 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 thing that people might just go there for besides knowing that you know there's a support group and. You know, there's more understanding of how your life is panned out when you're hearing uh, hearing voices. Yeah, there's a lot of support there because um, what we do is if we feel that nobody's, um, if like for for example, if somebody isn't coping, we will talk to them. We could even talk to them after the group or just before the group because some people don't want to talk in a group. You know, they might feel a bit. Um, shy because they don't know anyone so we have like a buddy system where Mm -hmm. we could they could meet up with somebody before we go into the group and that way then they've got someone that they know and also Mm -hmm. the good thing about the online group they don't have to speak Um, and it's the same with face-to-face groups if you went to a group you wouldn't be forced to speak and that's a good thing about um camera you can turn the camera off you could turn your mm-hmm. sound off. You could just listen. Because some people, mm-hmm. it might take them a while before they can trust people. They might not even open till, you know, months. So, I mean, yeah. in fact, there was a lady who hadn't spoken for six months at the, the Sheffield group. And she would just say her name. And then you would be lucky if she she lasted 10 minutes. And it took David Bowie dying um, for her to speak because she, I, I, I'm mad on David Bowie and I came in that group that day that he died mm. I was going to the group and um, I just I thought I can't speak today I'm just upset and the lady turned around and said I know how you feel and I'm like oh my god she's talking she's never spoke for six months mm. and she said mm. I like I like somebody from Doctor Who you know the program Doctor Who and I was devastated when they died and then I found out after that she was able to open up and talk and it was great because we found a connection through um, someone dying that we liked you know on TV and film so mm-hmm. so we sort of and that's yeah. what people do they find some sort of connection where you might not mm. want to talk and yeah suddenly you'll open up yeah suddenly you'll open up when you become more comfortable and you can trust the group i think i think that's brilliant but kate tell me in terms of you know i was reading some comments on the site uh, hearing voices daughter Waji. and uh, uh, you know most of the comments were from people who were hearing voices one of the guys was mentioned that he felt that there is an alien connection to the voices that he is hearing and he's he was very sure about it and I asked this in the earlier uh, episodes also with my earlier guests who hear voices and they also sort of some of them felt there's a supernatural connection to it. What's your understanding in terms of you and the group? 
I feel if you listen to the person's story, there's clues mm. there. It's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle and it's about helping them find an understanding. Um, for example, I used to feel that I was possessed, you know, and people would say, oh, you, you're thinking that there's demons inside you. And I said, no, I, I know I'm, I've, I've been possessed. And what I was meaning was I was trying to tell people that I was raped um, because the person, the alien, was inside me and I couldn't get him out. So you can see the sort of <clears throat> association from, you know, like if you're possessed, you can't get the being out of you. Well, in my case, I was talking about rape because I couldn't get the person out of me. And um, it, as I say, they could be like me. It could be an alien act. You know, and they refer to them as not human. They could be referring to them as not human. Mm -hmm. That um, mm -hmm. because it's like a monstrous, a monster. Someone say to you, a monster comes into my room at night. I don't know what to do. What they could be saying to you is, I, I used to have someone coming into my room and abusing me, um, but they see it as a monster because it's a monstrous act. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, they don't mm -hmm. see it as... Sure. And you can also use people's beliefs as a way of helping them. I use someone's mm. beliefs. Um, they were really religious. They were brought up in, our, um, in the group. They were... He, he was in hospital. He was in a medium secure hospital. And mm -hmm. he would walk about in the, with the Bible quoting passages. And he his voices were telling him that he had to make a sacrifice not to eat. And I found a way of helping him. I used these beliefs as a way of helping him because I said to him, well, God wouldn't want you to have that kind of sacrifice because God is good. He would want you to eat and you don't need to make that sacrifice because God sacrificed his only son for the sins of humanity. So you don't need to make it, you know, the sacrifice. And his eyes lit up. And then he saw two yogurts and he asked if he could take them in his room and eat them. And I saw that as an opportunity to help him. I wasn't sure if he was allowed to eat in the room. And I said, yes, go in and have them, eat them whenever you, you know, you would like. And the following week when I came back to do the group, they said to me that he'd started eating again. And that was just helping him by using his beliefs. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. and, and, and do, do you guys talk about um, the medication aspect of it? What is the general view of, you know, good, the group when it comes to medication? Do they all feel the same way as you feel in terms of getting off medication, uh, not believing in the term uh, terminology or there are different views? There's quite a vary of different reviews. A lot of people mm. believe in the medication. And that's the thing about the group as well. We would never tell people to come off their medication. If someone said to us, for example, um, okay, I want to come off meds, I'd say, well, see your doctor and your name nurse. Don't just go cold turkey. I would ask them to tell them the reasons because you'll always find a reason why they want to come off meds. It could be that yeah. it's making them not function right. Um, and I'd say have a word with your psychiatrist, your CPN, your doc, you know, because we always say never come off medication. You know, we always try and support people. Yeah. So that's what we do in the group. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, what about uh, what about them using the term uh, schizophrenia which you 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 and even peter mentioned in terms of being obsolete we accept everyone's explanation you know yeah. like there's a lot of people that believe that you know they feel that they've got schizophrenia um and we would never say no you've not we we accept everyone's beliefs like i feel and a lot of them know that i I don't feel it's through schizophrenia and they accept that just like I would accept along with other members of the group that if that's how they see it, you know, who am I to tell them it's not because um, we do accept, as I say, everyone's, you know, yeah. everyone's, you know, of, yeah. um, acceptance yeah. of what they think it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the group, two people go to work i mean how do they live their lives yeah there was um um there's teachers that even come to the group there was a mm-hmm. teacher who came to the group uh, again in sheffield and mm-hmm. um she was hearing clocks everywhere she was going through a traumatic breakup and she said kate i'm seeing clocks everywhere they're jumping on my bed they're in the shower i'm not i can't i'm hearing tiktok so i said to her it could be a metaphor and i said to her now that you're not at work have you got a lot of time in your hands and she said i she said people seem to think that teaching is a brilliant job we get so much holiday she said but we don't kate because we're marking reports for exams you know when this the the children aren't here so i i suggested i said well maybe if you can um you know fill up your time with something like a hobby and see if that can help and she did and then she stopped seeing the clocks the clocks disappeared mm-hmm. she stopped hearing the tiktoks so um as i say it was like a a sort of metaphor mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. even trust as well um trust um there was someone in the hospital who he wouldn't trust anyone and he would um it took three years and it could take you three minutes three hours three weeks three months you know in my case three years for someone to trust you i used to go into yeah. the hospital and this person would say f off kate don't talk to me and it's after three years he said can I have a word with you Kate and he said why are you always nice to me and I said well I feel that I would I should treat people how I'd like to be treated and he said well I'm ready to talk to you he said how did you know it was my birthday you always got me a card at Christmas and my birthday and he said I loved what you put in it and he he said i'm ready to talk and that took like three years for he it could open up so i always say people might say professionals oh they'll never talk to you but they will if you could give because a lot of people including myself sweetheart they've trusted people in the past and these people have let them down it's these people that they've trusted that's hurt them mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Kate, you've mentioned that you are a guest trainer for mental health first aid in several universities. So tell me, what is mental health first aid? Because it sounds uh, extremely important to me. Yeah, it's um, it's really what it says, first aid, um, to help mm. people with their voices and stuff. Or th- it's also other um, mental health issues as well. It's they train they train people and we're and they get speakers in 
and we are um, like I, I go in for the voices and they've got mm. other people for you know maybe disabled and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. so they get different speakers in and I go mm-hmm. in and um, I sort of just um, tell them my story and um, I explain to them how it is, how best it is to to be with a voice hearer. You know, you've got to believe them, what they say, because it's real to them. And as I say, you may not share that belief, but um, you could ask them, what does that belief mean to you? And mm-hmm. you find that there's that's a way in. So and it's mm-hmm. really nice because you get people from like um psychologists, mental health nurses, social workers, um peer support people. You know, mm-hmm. you get loads of people from um different weeks of life and they come and do the training mm-hmm. and we we just talked to them about how we were treated and um what's the best way of working with people at Hear Voices. Mm-hmm. Also, you use the Maastricht interview, if I'm not pronouncing that right, Maastricht interviews, what you mentioned for hearing voices. Would you like to elaborate that for our listeners? Ah, uh-huh, sure. The Maastricht interview. Yeah, it's a questionnaire. There's two of them. There's one for voices and one for paranoia. And me and Pete uh, do these tr- training with a few of our, our colleagues. And um, mm-hmm. they interview in us, they practice on us, so that when they go out and able to do it in their clients, and it gives them an understanding of why certain voices are like this, because voices are emotions, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's really, really good that we could do this uh, work because mm. people then can see, oh, I never realized that this is what this could mean. It gives mm-hmm. people hope. Yeah, sure. Sure. So so you also mentioned, Kate, that getting involved in hearing voices and paranoia support group changed your life. Uh, yes. So, of course, by this point, you are off medications, uh, but you are you've dedicated your life to being part of the hearingvoices.org. And, you know, you go around there, you know, helping people uh, every time. So, so what is that specific thing that has helped you change your life? Joining the network, joining the Hearing Voices Network was the best thing that um, I ever did because it yeah. led me to see that I, w- I was able to recover, you know, that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be on meds the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And and just it, it was great because I got a sense of my voices. You know, I mm-hmm. could, once I understood them, I even named my voices. So, and it lessened the fear of that makes sense by naming the voices. And it was great to see that there was other voice hearers out there and that they do things like groups that we can support each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Also, also because you were constantly engaged. Now tell me, Kate, when you, because you were constantly engaged and you were, your mind was working in trying to solve other people's issues and help them do you think that also helped you in getting control over your own self and your own voices of course because I never had the help when I needed it and Mm. it was great to be able to help people I mean I even went on the helpline and this lady for example couldn't sleep 
and she mm-hmm. said, I don't know what it is about your voice, but um, I just want to fall asleep when I hear you speak. So I suggested that we use that to help her sleep. So I said, well, if you like, sweetheart, um, listen to my voice. And that what she used to do. She would phone and she'd say, Kate, I can't sleep. Please talk to me. And mm. I'd just talk to her. And then when she when she was falling asleep, she would hang up the phone or I would hang up if I never heard from her after a few minutes. And there was actually a, a man that used to come to one of the groups in Manchester and he actually came to the group just to sleep. He didn't feel safe at all. He was um, very paranoid, bad with voices. His voices wouldn't let him sleep. But um, we realised that he falls asleep in the the group. And I asked him one day and I said, can I ask you why you fall asleep? And he said, Kate, it's the only place in the group that I feel safe. So I'm able mm. to relax. So we used to do that. And people would come into the group and say, oh, why is he sleeping? And we would explain. And it was funny because he was a loud snorer. And sometimes I'd have to go and say, oh, you're snoring. And he'd go, oh, sorry, Kate, sorry. I'd be like, no, it's okay. Just go back to sleep. And it was only for an hour and a half, that group. But at least he got an hour and a half sleep. So and that these things help me because knowing that I can be of help to people that where I was, you know, once was because there was no help for me until I joined the the Hearing Voices Network. That's how I feel until I enjoyed it. Sorry, and joined there. There was no mm-hmm. help whatsoever, and the fact that if it, if them telling me their their stories if I could be of help that's what helps me yes yes but also tell me Kate uh, if someone is practicing mindfulness like for example I don't know if you are or if you have even tried do you think that can help in controlling the voices mindful um, practices I suppose it can. I don't really know much about mindfulness, mm, but um, okay. I know I know what's helped me is writing a letter to my inner self, to that mm-hmm. that inner child, and writing a letter to my mum on mm-hmm. how I felt. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that's helped me. But um, but the other thing, I'm not really sh- sure much on that. I've not really done much of that. Um, could you maybe explain that a bit more? And I'll, um... Uh, I'm just sort of wondering that because you have dedicated your life to solving other people's, uh, you know, problems when it comes to hearing voices, you are constantly working and your mind is constantly engaged. Right. Uh-huh. So, right. so do you think that if a person's mind is constantly engaged in doing work, uh, that they are, you know, finding helpful for other people and for their own self, they can get a better control over their voices? Of course, definitely. Um, I, mm-hmm. Me, I, I can't stop. I've got to be working. If I can help someone, a fellow voice hearer, to get their life back, that to me is just like winning the lottery. It's just amazing to be able to do that because as I say I never had that help when I needed it and it took years before I found help because I didn't even know about the Hearing Voices Network I didn't even know about groups I thought I was the only one in the world that heard voices and it's great to see that other people can hear voices and they can, I yeah. can give them support and I love what I do 
right right okay tell me uh in terms of uh if i may personally ask you now a personal question that do you still hear voices i do i hear them 24/7 are you hearing them right now while you're talking to me yes yes i hear them right now but um i'm able to tell them to leave me alone when in my head or out you know verbally so um and i have an appointment diary with them where i'll say to them right i can't deal with you for now because talking to you is more important so i'll tell the voices they never go away they'll just go into a whisper so i know i've won that battle i've not won the war yet with my voices but i've won that battle but i do hear them 24/7 i've i've never mm-hmm. known a world without voices i've heard them since i was 4 years old so i've never i don't even know what it's like not to hear voices mm-hmm. as i say hearing voices yeah. isn't the problem it's the content of the voices that can be the problem mm-hmm. it's what the voices mm-hmm. tell me that could um be the problem for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what about your daughters do you tell them are they aware about it Yeah um I've got one son and three girls and they're all aware of my hearing voices. Um actually when my youngest girl she's 17 when she was a lot younger she actually helped a little girl in her school because um the wee girl was upset and Sydney went over to her and she said what's wrong can I help you and she said my mum hears voices and I'm really scared it scares me because I hear her talking to them and she said don't be scared my mum hears voices and she spoke to her and it was great that that happened because if I hadn't told my children that I hear voices that wee girl wouldn't have got the help and support she needed for you know what she was going through and ended up that um said said to her well you could come and um talk to my mum your your mum can talk to my mum if she likes which she did and um we even got her some work in the university Pete got her some work working with us and then then when she got her voices under control she said i just want to go back to being a mum but thank you so much for the help so that's really good mm-hmm. that yeah mm-hmm. so they all know but mm-hmm. sure sure uh, but but of course the voices are a creation of your own unconscious and your own mind uh knowing that kate do you sort of talk to them do you make time to talk to them what happens if you don't talk to them they get angry if i don't talk to them mm-hmm. but okay so i talk to them because if um like out of the six of them they always come in pairs and i've uh, categorized them so in other words um my mum and my gran are parenting voices the authority or social workers and the police and the sexual ones are the ex-husband and the alien so if something like if i was say say i went away to another country to teach my mum and gran's voice will get loud and say you're a, you know um, i know i can't swear so i'll just say you're a terrible parent but it's obviously worse than that you know um you don't give a hoot about your you you know your children you've left them but then um i could turn around and say well thank you for reminding me because if i don't um phone my daughter i will feel like a bad parent or if i'm worried mm. about a bill 
I could say mm. the authority ones will get loud and then I know that if I contact that person who I owe the money to, mm. um, because I'm dealing with it there and then, I'm stopping myself from the voices getting worse. Right. So you have to talk to your voices, you are friendly with your voices and you are comfortable with your voices now and they are with, they are with you 24-7. But when you were on medication, the voices were quietened, but you were not, but you had other side effects like not being able to move too much, sleeping most of the time, etc, etc. Is that right, Kate? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I just didn't have a life. I couldn't function because of the medication. Mm. And it was the best thing ever to be off meds for me anyway. Mm. You know, that was the best. So, sure. So you could not function because of the meds. So you chose to live with your voices without meds and that improved the quality of your life and you're able to function fully right now. Yes, and I think the reason that I can do that is because of the the groups, the Hearing Voices group and the network. I'm able to mm. talk to fellow voice hearers and I've gained an understanding of what it's like, you know, because we're all experts by our own experience. We're experts by our experience. And it's yeah. great to get an insight of why. And as I say, because of the life I had, I feel that that is why I hear voices. That's just um, my way of coping with what happened. Right, right. I So so tell me, Kate, two last questions. Would you recommend people to get off meds and choose to stay with your voices but increase the quality of your life? Of course, yeah, I would. I mean, obviously, I would recommend that they see their psychiatrist or doctor and their nurse and help them with it. I, would, I wouldn't recommend to go cold turkey or anything, you know. Mm. I would recommend that they talk to their the, the people that are looking after them and say, you know, um, I can't function on this medication and maybe mm. just I gradually take less and less till they can come off it. But I, um, right. I, I would say, oh, you've, you, can't, you shouldn't take meds. I'd never say that to anyone. Some people like to take meds because they feel that that's their way of getting help. So Right. Right. And, and you know, I saw uh, on the website hearingvoices.org that there are a lot of countries, there are 38 countries, but there's nobody from India who has actually been part of the group. I mean, you don't have uh, an India a chapter. So so how does anybody sort of, if they want to be part of the group or, or, or start an India chapter, how can they do that? Um, they could start their own group if they like. They could get... They can contact myself or Pete, and right. um, we we actually do training on setting up voices groups. Uh, we do right. three day we, well, we can do two day training, but we do three day training as well, and we can help people support people how to set up voices group. Um, we've done it in Greece. They were they didn't even have a hearing voices network at one point or a group in Greece, and now they have. So if someone's interested on setting up a group, they can do that as well. The only thing is mm. sometimes it could be hospital where the group is. A lot of people might not like it being in hospital because it might remind them of when they were sectioned. But then again, on the flip side of the coin, people are glad that they, they've got a group that they can go to. So we would sort of 
um, learn people of ways that you could um, have the group, you know, where you can have it and, and things like that. How long mm -hmm. should it go for? Mm -hmm. Sure. Great, Kate. Thank you so much uh, for your time. It was a, a great conversation and you shared yourself with us and uh, it was very inspirational and I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have something to share with us, you can definitely connect with us. You know where to find us on our Instagram and on our Twitter handles with Epilogue Media and Metaphysical Lab. And also to go and check out the website, uh, hearingvoices.org. Thanks and take care of yourself.